Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky, coming to you a little early this week. Uh, It's spring break over here, so the schedule got a little wonky. Uh, So I apologize, but there's still a lot to talk about, nonetheless. Uh, Big holiday week. Did you enjoy Pi Day? 3.1415926.5? That's as far as I can go. Um, I remember we did that in back in um, uh, elementary school. We had like Pi Day was a huge deal because the teachers brought in pie and everything, and they had a contest to see who could memorize the most numbers. One kid, I swear, he he rattled off about I think it was like 107. I still remember Drew Ogilvy, and he got to the point where he like he he was even at a point that he didn't know what it was and he guessed. I I think he goes seven, and then they said yeah, like I was right. He he guessed he got two lucky guesses tacked onto that, but he he got like 107 numbers of pie. Ridiculous. Uh, So Pi Day this week, you know, did you celebrate it? Did you have yourself a pie? I did. I I had a frozen pizza. I guess that counts as pie. Uh, then we got St. Patrick's Day coming up, you know, uh, where everyone pretends that they're Irish for, for a couple days. Uh, you know, we get some terrible Irish stereotypes. Everyone wears green. They got green food. The uh, Chicago River was already polluted green. It is just a, it's a horrible holiday. St. Patrick's Day is one of the worst. I think it's the most overrated holiday there is, if you even want to call it a holiday. Uh, yeah. Everyone, all of a sudden, they, they start claiming you're Irish, they're Irish. Green, by the way, too, is a horrible color on everyone. Like, it's not a good-looking color. I have a green golf shirt. I was wearing it the other day. I was like, it looks like, terrible. I, I can't pull it off. Not many people can't. And then they make food green and stuff. Like, it's a horrible color. Who wants to eat green food? Fun fact, actually, before we get into the sports, Heinz, uh, a couple of years, but like, this is years ago. I was watching some documentary on how, like, colors... Uh, affect like you know like the colors certain teams wear uh, affect your perception of them like you know the flyers would always have like these black jerseys so then people would figure them to be more aggressive because black's known as like you know a bit more aggressive color so they're doing these like studies with like food and stuff and shrek was really popular at the time because it just came out so heinz was like hey because shrek's popular let's make a green ketchup uh and it'll be popular too because it makes sense because there's green tomatoes so green tomatoes green ketchup shrek's popular let's go with green and it bombed like they they pulled it off the shelves eventually because no one wanted to buy it because no one wants to eat green food it just looks disgusting so you know happy saint patrick's day for you i guess uh i shan't be really participating maybe the drinking end of it i I guess that's cool but even then like you know it's horrible for the irish stereotypes (laughs) they just think they're a bunch of drunk idiots i heard one guy he's like you know for a country that had, had a big famine with the potatoes and everything, aren't they surrounded by water? Couldn't they just go fish? And the guy goes, yeah, they're probably too drunk to find the ocean. But uh, anyway, let's get into the big news this week. There is a quarterback who is now back in the fold, back in the headlines. You may have heard of him. I'm talking, of course, about Mitch Trubisky. He signed with the Steelers. Um, I, I'm kidding about that. Obviously, Tom Brady is the headliner. We'll get to that in a second. I want to talk Mitch Trubisky here a little bit first. Um, so the Steelers signed Mitchell Trubisky. And immediately, their Super Bowl odds went down. Uh, after signing him. So th- that was an interesting thing to see right off the bat. But, I, you know, I will say this for Trubisky. And I actually predicted it on the show a couple weeks ago. I said Trubisky would be a very good fit for the Steelers just because they were playing with Ben Roethlisberger last year. And Trubisky's limited. He can't really push the ball downfield that much. But he's more mobile than Ben. So I think you could argue they made a slight upgrade at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he'll fit in well, that offense, because that offense last year was a bunch of dink and dunk, throw underneath routes. I mean, that's what Trubisky can do. And if you maximize Trubisky's skill set, which is why it's interesting he didn't sign with the Giants, which, by the way, I think he made a good move, because Brian Dayball knows his skill set. Uh, you need to get him out of the pocket. 
He needs to be out of the pocket, on the move. The Bears, what they got in trouble is when they used him as a traditional traditional pocket passer. So I think if Mike Tomlin and company could figure that out, you know, that you can be successful with Trubisky. Now, I think, do the Steelers win a Super Bowl? No. Like, with that move, you're going to be another fringe playoff team that probably shouldn't get in and then sneaks in and loses in the first round. I mean, that's what the Steelers are at this point. But you can win games with Trubisky. And, you know, I will say this for him. People say the quarterback win. Like, There's big arguments about that. Like, that's not a real stat. And I, I see the case for it. I mean, there's a valid case to be made. I argue it is, though. I mean, you look at the top 10. Name your top five quarterbacks of all time. Go ahead. You pick them. It could be anything out of the top of your head. How many of them had a losing record in, in their career? Like, I mean, if you're going just Mount Rushmore quarterbacks, probably right now, you probably say uh, Joe Montana, Tom Brady, Dan Marino. You know, that's the top three. I got a top, you know, you could argue. Throw, you, throw, you can throw in a John Elway. All right. This is just spitballing off the top of my head. I'm sure those, you know, you, but Tom Brady, Joe Montana, they both had winning records by a hefty margin. Because quarterback's the most, and I get it's a team game. Quarterback's the most important position. And you look at Trubisky, you take away his rookie year. He's got a two to one winning record and a two to one touchdown interception ratio. Is that going to blow anyone off the screen? No. And the counter argument would be like, well, Mitch, the Bears had a very good defense with Mitch Trubisky. They were top 10, top five, top 10, and then 11th. His years as a starter there. Very good defense. They probably carried him most of the way, especially if you look at their offense numbers. So people will be like, well, you know, but I would also point out because people say the same thing about Jimmy Garoppolo. People say the same thing about Jimmy. Well, you know, look at Mike Shanahan. He's helped him a bunch. What was the Bears record without Mitch Trubisky? Because I saw Nick Foles in that offense. Basically the same thing. Not a winning record with Nick Foles. Trubisky left. The Bears lost more games. It's like, Trubisky got back, put back in the starter position. They, they kind of rode that stretch to the playoffs. Now, they play a weak schedule too. Yeah, that's fine. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, yeah, and I think Mitch Trubisky is probably a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. Slightly more mobile, slightly less arm talent. But Jimmy Garoppolo wins. And that matters. Because you look at the 49ers and he was hurt. Put Nick Mullins in there. It's a completely different team. Losing record without Jimmy Garoppolo. And that was the one major difference between the two years. With Jimmy. NFC Championship. Twice. So, you know, say what you want about both of them. But they both win games. So, for the Steelers... Yeah, like I said, we know what Trubisky is. He and I count him to a Super Bowl. I think we've seen what he, but he, he's going to win you games. And if you utilize his skill set correctly, that they can make the playoffs. He do a lot worse. So I'm interested to see how he does. Uh, I don't think it'll be that significant of a drop off. And last year, I actually think it's a slight upgrade. Trubisky's a winner. Whether you like it or not, he's like a Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he wins games. So, uh, and I also think, uh, by the way, I also think it was a smart move because I know the Brian Dayball would have been good, but like, I think he knew that he's going to have a more surefire chance to start. Because, like, if between Daniel Jones and um, uh, Mitch Trubisky, it's tough. But between Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph, I think it's fairly obvious Trubisky's going to be the starter there. So, like, not as much of a quarterback competition. So, that makes sense for me. Um, all right, let's talk Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady's back. After a month, to the surprise of very few people, I mean, there was rumors that he was going to come back to go to the 49ers. And, you know, there's also all that stuff about Bruce Aarons. I'll tell you what I think happened. I think he realized that being, a, you know, staying at home with the family kind of sucks. <laughs> he was living the reality. Oh, Tom, can you do the dishes? Oh, can you wait? You can take the kids to this and that. 
Oh, you, why don't you want to spend time with me? It's like, he's like, oh my god, like, I can't do this. <laughs> Tom, go take out the trash. It's like, fuck. Because before I had this kid, it's like, oh, you know, I'm studying. I gotta study film. I gotta, I gotta do my, uh, my pliability workouts. I was like, no, I'm tired, retired. You have time to do the dishes now and clean the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, fuck this, dude. I can't handle any more of this. Bruce, all right, it's fine. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Tom Brady doesn't like chores, apparently. Drove my, his wife, drove him out of retirement. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, that's not, you know... Giselle is, is like a supermodel who probably he makes more, she makes more money than Tom probably you know he didn't need Tom Brady working they probably got people that they, they pay to do most of that stuff anyway cleaning you think Tom Brady does dishes? you know that's an interesting question we might have to put a poll on it do you think Tom Brady does dishes at home I uh, that'd be interesting I feel like he'd probably have someone to do that because Giselle's not your like you know he's not your stay, typically you know, stay at home like housewife he's out there moving um yeah, she's she's getting things done. She's an influencer. Uh, so she's probably not doing many dishes either. So I wonder between the two, who's doing dishes in that family? I mean, they make the kids do it. Well, I saw that photo of them with Ronaldo. They, they don't look like they're doing many dishes either. Those hands look like they haven't touched a dish in their life. Um, all right, this is ridiculously stupid. <laughs> We're off the rails. Uh, but no, you think... If you watched Tom Brady last year, well, now it makes the NFC a lot more interesting. And I think he saw it, too, especially with Russell Wilson out now, because we were talking about it last week. I mean, you got Rodgers, you got Stafford, and after that, it's a whole lot. Of, it's like 50 feet of crap to, like, the next, like, you know, viable quarterback. Those are the only two elite quarterbacks left. And the Buccaneers were really, like, they were close to knocking off the Super Bowl champs last year. Uh, they, they, they were on the verge of stealing that game from them. And I think if they do, they go on to win the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady saw how close they were. He knows it's a good team. They got a bunch of the guys coming back. You know, a fairly wide open NFC. Now, the Rams are still going to be tough. But, like, I think, is Tom Brady scared of Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at this point? No. Especially with the reports that Devontae Adams isn't playing on a franchise tag. So, it's locked up all that money and Aaron Rodgers. Good for him. I mean, the team around him ain't going to be that great anymore. I mean, the Packers won that division probably once again, but... I don't think they make as many much noise in the playoffs. We've seen Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. He kind of shrinks in the moment. So Tom Brady sees that. It's a fairly easy path to the Super Bowl. The division they're in is a mess right now. I mean, the Panthers are stra- straggle, or they're, they're scrambling for a quarterback. They're trying to get Deshaun Watson right now. The Falcons, they got Matt Ryan, who's kind of old. You know, they're an irrelevant team. You know, who knows what the Saints are doing? Do you bring back Jameis? Are they rolling with Taysom Hill as the starter next year? I, who knows? Like, that division's very winnable. Hey, it makes perfect sense. I, you know, I'll be honest. I wasn't surprised at all. I didn't even think it was that big of news. I, I just assumed it was only a matter of time, uh, especially because of how close they were. And, you know, a guy like Tom Brady, he's competitive. He wants to go out on top. You know, he's the Jordan of our sport, basically. He wants to leave like Jordan last shot. He's going out on top with the Lombardi Trophy. And he still has a very good team, and they're still close. So why not run it back? Especially with the NFC so wide open. You know, I think if he's in the AFC, if he's still with the Patriots right now, I I, I don't think that decision would have been as easy. But he's a competitor. He's got that itch. He needs to scratch it. Um, So... <laughs> I mean, why why not come back? Uh, Sean Watson's another interesting guy, monitor. So his charges were dropped, but he still has some civil suits, I believe, to work out. So your team, what do you give up for? You know, especially because the market just got set for Russell Wilson, who has no baggage. There's two first. I got a couple other picks around there. 
So your team like the Panthers, what are you giving up for Deshaun Watson, who hasn't played in a year two, which is also interesting. Now, there's a two-sided argument to that Deshaun with Deshaun Watson. The first would be, I mean, he hasn't played in a year, so he was getting the crap kicked out of him behind that shoddy offensive line the Texans had. Like, he was taking a lot of hits. So a year off, some mileage off the tires, so to speak, uh, could have been good for him. He had a year to recover. At the same time, he's going to be a little rusty. And depending on the NFL investigation, once all this, 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 uh, this baggage clears up, if and when it does, he's probably going to be suspended a couple games. So you're probably going to be getting a quarterback, and if you look at Zeke Elliott and these past offenses, it's probably going to be around six. They're going to be getting a guy that's going to be suspended six games, hasn't played in a year, and this trade needs to happen relatively quickly too, I would think, because especially for a guy with Russ, and you're going to be coming to a new team, new offense, I would think he'd want a deal done quickly so we can start working with guys as soon as possible. So... That is a to me that is a fascinating situation. I mean, if I'm if I'm the Panthers, assuming everything else is cleared up, and you think you're ready to win now, I would have no problem moving two, three first round picks for him. And the man's talented. You just have to figure out, you know, do you want to deal with that PR nightmare there? But quarterback, as we said, there's not many good ones in this league, and especially if you're an AFC team, you need a good quarterback to compete. Because <laughs> I got news for you with the Burroughs, the Wilson, uh, Allen. I mean, it's going to be, you can kick out Herbert, Lamar. Like, good God. you If you don't have a good quarterback in the AFC, you're a sitting duck. You are a sitting duck. So that's why I think we need, we need to see that there. I want to talk a little bit to the Browns. They traded for Amari Cooper, and then they Jarvis Landry requested to trade. They're going to set to release him. I think they did already. They did already release him. Everyone's like, "Wow, like the Cowboys." Which, by the way, first off, I think you know they re-signed Michael Gallup. If I'm the Cowboys, I would have kept Amari Cooper because if you look at Dak's numbers with him and without him, I mean, it's significantly different. He's only completing 63 percent of his passes without him, much higher with him. Um... So I think he, you get a guy with no, you know, no off the field problems. He's a good locker room professional. He came over from Oakland. He was a seamless fit. He was a very good. He was a very solid receiver. Very good player. Still got a lot of football left in the tank. Is he getting paid a lot? Yes. But between the two, I think the first guy I'd cut ties with is Zeke. I mean, look at him. I think Tony Pollard is a better running back. So I think you're gonna cut salary. Then Zeke would have been the one to do it. I don't know what they're doing. I don't really trust. I don't think CD. Lam- I don't trust CD Lamb that much. I think he had a case of the drops last year. He's a very talented player, but I'd rather have him as your number two. Uh, I thought that was a good receiver room. So I think if you're going to get rid of anyone. It would have been Zeke. But um, everyone was looking at it and being like, "Wow, like the Browns, like they only had to give up a fifth and a sixth or whatever." Well, I mean, for the Browns, I don't think it was that great of a deal either. I think the Cowboys were probably going to release him. And you look at it, it's like, oh, it's only it's the same thing with the Khalil Mack deal. And at first glance, it's like, yes, this is very underwhelming. But it's really not because you look what these teams are taking on. They're taking on a lot of salary. Like the Chargers, they took on a lot of salary, which is a huge deal. You get that off the books. Same thing with the Browns. You're going to be paying over $20 million for a receiver. And who's probably going to be the, he's your number one now and only receiver now that Jarvis Landry's gone? I don't know, man. That's taking out a lot. I think the Browns are in trouble. They are spiraling. Baker is not a quarterback that's elevating people around him either. You saw him with a great offensive line and a great run game. It's it's rough. And I've been a Baker defender. I always thought he was. Be- I always thought Odell was. You know, I thought he played better without Odell. I thought it was better off for him that they parted ways. But 
at some point you got to perform as a first overall pick, and he just doesn't elevate anyone around him. So, like, for the Browns, I don't think that's that great of a deal for Amari Cooper. Uh, he's not, it's going to be, especially if he's your only guy, good luck. So I don't see him making much noise in that division with that trade. Um, some of the other notable trades, actually, well, this is a small one that just happened today. Randy Gregory goes to the Broncos. I love that move for the Broncos. I think they got him on a discount. Uh, you know, 14 million is a decent amount, but Randy, if he, if he can stay on the field, you know, and cleans up his act a little bit, that man's an elite pass rusher. I remember watching him at Nebraska. The guy is a stud. You put him on the opposite side of the Chubb, too. Ugh. They're, they're going to be scary. Now they got two guys that can go off the passer. The Broncos, and I know we're all drinking the Kool-Aid. That team, I think, I think if I had to make my picks right now, I think that team's probably winning the division there. And it's tough because it's up for grabs and everyone's going to be very good, but they got guys. What do you need to have a successful team? The, the traditional formula. And then the, the, the Bengals showed it was weapons. You know, weapons and a good quarterback, you can get the Super Bowl, I guess, in today's NFL, which the Broncos now do. But traditionally, good offensive line, Good quarterback, guys that can get after the quarterback. You know, you got a good quarterback, you protect him, and then you get guys in the defense that can get after him. That's the traditional successful formula in the NFL. Broncos got it. Russell Wilson, Hall of Fame talent. Sufficient offensive line. Only gave up 11th, 11th in pass blocking last year. That'll play. You got Chubb that can get after the quarterback. Gregory that can get after the quarterback. Yeesh. It's going to be scary. And, oh, by the way, for the outside weapons, Jerry Jewey, KJ Hamler, uh, you know, that's your, not your traditional, like, you know, like your traditional household names. Uh, Tim Patrick, too, another one. But they're good. They're good. They might not be the Jamar Chases of the world. They're studs. Like, they got some outside weapons uh, and, a, and a good run game, too. So that team could be a Super Bowl contender. I really like that move. That, that one stood out to me. A lot. Um, what the hell are the Jaguars doing? Well, let's shift a bit. Jaguars set the... Free, they they might have messed up the free agent market for every, all these other receivers. I, everyone's praising all these wide receiver free agents. Like the Allen Robinsons right now. Uh, Jarvis, they, they should be on their knees thanking Christian Kirk and the Jaguars in that front office because Christian Kirk went from being the third best player on their team last year uh, to now he, he's ridiculously overpaid wide receiver. Let me pull up the specifics of it. I don't have it off the top of my head. All I know is they paid him way too much. Uh, Christian Kirk got the bag. And, you know, I think he's a good deep threat. Um, He just got... uh, $84 Four years, $84 Jesus. He hasn't even had an 1,000-yard season. Like, I get you're trying to give... Trevor Lawrence, some help. And I like Christian Kirk, but you lose DJ Chark, probably. You're losing DJ Chark. They did lose DJ Chark. He's going to the Lions. And you replace him with Christian Kirk, who has not had a dozen yards. And then you got Ingram, too, that's grossly overpaid. He can't catch a football. He's got hands of brick. I mean, they basically went on. That was the equivalent of saying, like, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out and get some nice outfit. I'm going to get a nice outfit. And you go on a spending spree at Walmart. I mean, sure, you can get what you need there, but, like, it, over time, especially if you want a reliable clothes, like, those clothes, there's a reason you get $10 t-shirt there. It's going to fall apart in the wash after three times. So, like, I think that's what the Jaguars just, like, they had money. They're like, ah, screw it. We're just going to spend it all. Oof. I don't see them getting any better. For poor Trevor Lawrence. I feel so bad for him. 
had he landed in any other situation, I think he would be a at the very least a comp respect respectable NFL quarterback. The talent's there, and they're just gonna waste it. And then he's gonna be labeled as a bust, which won't even be his fault because you know he's got a bunch of boobs surrounding him. Uh, poor bastard. Eighty-four million. Oh my god. 39 over the first two years. I mean, basically, he's getting $18 million a year. Uh, so that's the ninth highest in the league. The other, the, Tyreek Hill has a similar contract, and that's what Christian Kirk got, middling wide receiver. So uh, these other these other receivers about to get the bag. Like, I think you're an Allen Robinson. You see that you are jumping out of your chair for joy, being like, ha. I mean, Christian Kirk got this. What's my mark going to be? Wow. Uh, NFL free it never stops, keeps going. But uh, it's it's that's why the that's why the NFL is the best sport, the most popular sport in uh in America because it doesn't stop. The season's over. You get buzz for the combine. Then free agency starts, like Combine's a little appetizer, and then free agency starts, and everyone gets excited. And it's it's always fast, and there's guys moving everywhere. Every year, always the same thing. You always have a bunch of talk about it on a daily basis. Keeps on rolling. And then the draft type gets a little closer. So then you got all your draft previews, and then more trades are swung around then, and then you have the draft. Then they roll into camp, and Hard Knocks comes out, and there's more buzz, and it just doesn't stop. It is year-round. Other leagues need to take a page out of the playbook. Uh, it's exciting. I mean, I can see why the NFL dominates because they're always in the news. There's always something happening. And then during the season, I forget about it. They're owning it. Um, speaking of stuff, you know, here's a league that is the opposite of the NFL. Uh, the MLB. Uh, you know, it's the anti-NFL. They do basically do everything wrong on the, on the one hand. But I will say the one good thing that came out of this lockout, the only good thing I would say... Um, uh, is now we're getting, you know, we're getting a bunch of moves. We're getting a lot of signing and trades after it because teams are cramming to make deals. Just going down the list of deals these past couple of days, there's probably going to be more coming out. Uh, as the, I mean, There definitely will be more coming out. I mean, Carlos Correa hasn't yet to be signed as of this taping. Um, same with Nicholas Castellanos. Fingers crossed, White Sox, please sign him. Oh, my God, I really want him. But let's see, you know, we're going to go through all the signings and trades here and see what stands out. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon joins the Braves. Uh, you know, that ain't moving the needle. I mean, congrats, I guess. Mariners. Now, this was a good, this was a big trade. And this spoke volumes to me about the Reds. Because the Reds went from an 83-win team, and now they've lost Castellanos, they lost Sonny Gray, and they lost outfield, all-star outfielder Jesse Winkler, and uh, their shortstop, uh, Suarez, Eugenio Suarez, ugh, two solid players. I mean, both those guys, that is a great trade for the Mariners. And what did they give up? Like, not much. Uh, they gave up Justin Dunn, Jake Fraley, and Brandon Williamson. Eesh. The Reds are such a poverty friend. Like, you want a poorly run team like that. It's sad. Because that was a solid team. They just didn't want to spend money. They're blowing it up. And I don't think that front office is competent enough to start another rebuild. I'll put, I mean, if I'm if I'm Joey Votto, I'm like, oh my god, get me out of here. I cannot waste the last years of my career with this poverty front office. But the Mariners, oof, watch out, man. That's gonna be that's gonna be a team to watch in the American League. They were already good last year. Now they get and you add the power, and Suarez has a lot of power too. Uh they get a left-handed hitter who can play the outfield and an infielder with major power. 
And in three seasons ago, Suarez had 49 bombs. That's a that's a good deal for him. And at a very, very reasonable place. And by the way, they're still in play for Chris Bryant, too. You want a dark horse right now for, for AL Pennant? I, I would put a... <laughs> Put your bets down on the Mariners now because they're going to sign another free agent as it is. Uh, so that line's going to improve. But I mean, you, you want an exciting up and coming team like that team could challenge that division. They, they could. They were dangerously close last year doing out in that AOS. Mets add Adam Adovino. Who haven't the Mets added? And they also added Chris Bassett too. For once again, I think a very reasonable price. I don't embrace the Mets like I would the Mariners because at the end of the day, they're the Mets. They always seem to win the offseason and then the middle of June comes by and you're like, wow, they're in third? Eesh. Like we were saying, like they added Lindor and then at the trade deadline, they had Baez and still they're floundering for third. It seems hard with the amount of money they're spending. Like you got Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer on the same rotation. And then you had Chris Bassett too. Who was probably the A's best? He was the A's best pitcher last year. I mean, I don't think even the Mets can screw that up, but I feel like somehow they will. So I am not on the Mets bandwagon like everyone else. Like on paper, that is a phenomenal team. And Adam Adovino is a sneaky nice move too. Oh yeah, had eleven saves last season and seven holds for the Red Sox. Like, yeah, that's a solid late inning guy. That's gonna be that's gonna be a deep team. Another big one huge move. The Braves got Matt Olson from the Athletics. Um, they, they, you know, it was a bunch of pitchers, basically. If I'm being honest, I've never heard of any of them. A lot of prospects, whatever. But what that means is not so much. Matt Olson's, Matt Olson's a very solid player. He's a former All-Star, a great glove. You know, he can, he can swing it. But that means Freddie Freeman is no longer going to be a Brave. And that just feels wrong. You know, Brian Sinica, they, they broke the news to him during a, a press conference they were interviewing yesterday, and you could see the man was, like, tearing up. It was sad. It was sad. I, I think the same thing, like, Jose Abreu. It's like our version of Freddie Freeman with the White Sox. How devastating it would be to see him in another uniform. And just, like, especially after winning a World Series, too, and everything he's meant for that franchise. I, I feel for Braves fans. And you're getting a solid player, Matt Olson. I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to do some patchwork. And Freeman, you know, MVP in 2020, just won the World Series. He's the constant professional hitter. Great glove. Like, he's going to be demanding a big, it's a big deal. He, he's going to be, it's going to be a lot of cash. But I, I understand what they're, I understand what they, they were doing there. They're like, all right, we're probably not going to be able to resign him. But it just feels weird. It feels weird. Gonna, he's going to be swinging it with the Dodgers. That's what I'm calling. Um, going through these here. Oh, here's the one. Another big move. It seems all these teams seem to be making big moves except for the White Sox. And you know what? I got something to say about that really quickly. This team has a small window. I mean, you know, they, they in 2024, coming up, they're going to have to start paying a lot of their core guys. I would hate to see their championship window wasted because they were penny-pinching. You know, they made some solid moves. I really like the Joe Kelly signing they had. Josh Harrison's fine. You know, he's he's a good player. Sufficient, I guess. A slight, slight upgrade over Leary Garcia. Fine. I will rock with him at second base. If that means you're spending big in right field because there are legitimate holes on this roster and problems that you probably need another starter. And they signed Vince Velasquez too. Like, what the hell was that? Please make a big move, Rick. I'm de- like, please spend some damn money. 
I mean, the money they spent on the four guys they had there, and it's a grossly overpaid bullpen right now, and they can't seem to find a keeper, or they, they can't seem to find a trade partner for Kimball, so there's a real chance he stays in the bullpen, which, you know, it's not the worst thing to have the most expensive bullpen. Bullpens win championships, but for the four guys they just signed, and I would argue Kelly really is the only one that's like a solid addition. Harrison's basically an older, slightly more accomplished version of Larry Garcia, and it's $25 million a year. What did Marcus Semyon sign for? $24 million. That would have been an impact bat to add. So. But the Yankees, what the start of the Yankees and Twins, they make a huge deal. The Yankees got Josh Donaldson, uh, Kinner Falafa, for Leaf. I should know that. And then backup catcher Ben uh, Rortbert, um, who's actually a very good defensive catcher. Uh, and I think I've never seen a trade where both sides are so happy with what they accomplished. The Twins got Gary Sanchez and Gio Urshela. Gary Sanchez was very clear. New York wasn't a good fit. It was time to move on. Um, Josh Donald, you know, and the twins are, you know, they want money off the books. They're rebuilding. You get where Josh Donaldson. So the Yankees get an impact bat, a new backup catcher in Ben Rortford. Um, and twins, you know, you still get a solid catcher. Gary Sanchez, change the scenery, see what he can do. G. Rochelle is a nice player, too. Um, so I think both sides, you know, very happy with the move they made there. And I can see it working out for both. I see it working out for both sides, too. Nelson Cruz goes to the Nationals. One year, 15 million. 41 years old. The universal DH coming. Probably the best DH we have in the league today. That one's a little strange. Thought he'd go to a contender. Nationals seem to be in a real field. I don't know about that one. Here's a move I did like. And this one probably flew under the radar too. Kikuchi. Signed with the Blue Jays. Left-handed pitcher. He's good. That's rotation with Jose Barrios, Kevin Gosman. Royu, a.k.a. Little Kikuchi, he was good last year with the Mariners, too. I always thought he was one of their better pitchers. Um, you know, 441 ERA last year, not great, but 9.3 strikeouts for nine innings. I pitched through 157 innings. That's a solid, solid pitcher there. Uh, yeah, I'm going through some of these other ones. Any other big ones, really? Kershaw, back to the Dodgers. We saw that coming. Oh, yeah, the other big one, Carlos Rodon. To the Giants, which I think was smart for both sides. You know, they needed someone. Uh, the, the the Giants lost a couple starters, so they needed another starter. And Carlos Rodon, you know, two years, $44 million, good for him. He bet on himself, he, and he won. Came back for the White Sox on a one-year cheap prove-it deal after, you know, they got rid of him, basically. They pulled him off the scrap heap, revitalized his career, became an all-star, and got the bag. Good for him. Not so great for the Giants, though. I'm willing to bet he throws under 150 innings. He always has arm problems. He always has injury problems. It's just the way he throws. I don't see it getting any better. He's yet to throw a full season healthy. I don't think he will with the Giants. So good luck with that. I would not bank on him. He's a more of a depth starter. Would not bank on him to be your ace. All right, finally, of course, March Madness is about to start this week. I'll be honest with you. I... Have no idea who's gonna win. I have no picks. I'm gonna fill out my bracket later today. It's gonna be a couple hours of research, sitting down, going over the teams just to see who's wrong, uh, just to see it get broken in the first week. Here's what I will say though: Screw Loyola, Chicago, for leaving the Valley. You know the Missouri Valley year after year. They need some more respect. It's time to put respect on the Valley name. If you look past over the past couple of years, they always win at least one tournament game. Drake won a tournament game last year. Loyola made some noise knocking out Illinois. Loyola made the Final Four a couple years ago. 
And now they're leaving, like most teams do. Wichita State, also perennial. MVC, pride of the MVC. They run off. Well, let's get a new team, Loyola. The MVC always turns out good teams. It is the working man's conference. Blue collar. They play defense. You just wait. You just wait. And if it's not Loyola next year, it'll be someone else. It's always going to be someone. Bally deserve some respect. Give mid-majors their respect. I know they don't got no blue blood programs. Valley runs deep. And Loyola is making a mistake and leaving. Especially going to the American Conference, which is a lateral move, I might add, only because their athletic director went there. So screw them. I actually will be rooting for them this tournament run because they are representing the Valley one last time. But after that, screw them. Rest of the country, better watch out. Valley runs deep. Respect the conference. And I'm sick of hearing about this bill, the Big Ten. Ugh. Screw them. I don't think the Big, Big Ten's overrated. Their best team played our best team last year, and guess what? Valley won. That's all I got. I have no objection basketball. I only like the I only like the Valley. I'm biased because I went to Bradley. By the way, I was in the tournament two years in a row. I think they would have made some noise in 2022. I think they could have won a game that year. Fortunately, COVID robbed us. But even that year, the, the, the Braves broke the streak because I think the Valley had like five consecutive years that they'd won at least one game in the tournament. Uh, Bradley broke that streak, unfortunately, but they played Michigan State, the number two seed, and they played them damn tough. They were on upset alert throughout that game. They had a lead in the second half. So respect the Valley. Put some respect on the damn Missouri Valley Conference. Who are you all taking for the tournament? Gonzaga seems to be the favorite. With that ridiculously skinny tall center. It's pretty damn good, too. I mean, he can play. Be tough. I know who I won't be taking is Duke. Frauds. Coach Mike Krzyzewski, his last tournament. Should be interesting. Let the madness begin. Enjoy the rest of your week.